I'll get your attention every time. So it is that time of year, uh, Halloween. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on, but I, I, I see that people are starting to talk about seeing all the classic scary movies, all the classic Halloween movies. I've gotten invitations to watch some of them, and, uh, and, and I remember watching scary movies when I was younger. I'm sad that Colby's sitting here when he hears this, but uh, I remember, no joke, I think I watched like Hellraiser 2 when I was like 9 or 10 years old at my buddy Chris Olson's house. I remember that, and I was like, man, did I really? Because I know Chris Olson only went to elementary school with me. And I was at his house, and I remember watching it. I was like, man, that's crazy. Like, where were my parents? Like, just let me go. But I also remember my sister, she was big into that Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Freddy Krueger. And uh, that was back when you could just record TV on those VHS tapes. Kids have no idea where the VHS tape is. Um, they don't even know cassette tapes. But you just hit record, and she had them all lined up, Nightmare on Elm Street, one, two, three, four. And I remember sneaking into a room and stealing them and watching them in my room, uh, watching them growing up. Um, but, and I, still today, what is the deal with horror uh, films, scary films, right? You got a group of people, most, uh, most of those groups are made up of that jock jerk type uh, is usually one of the characters, and he usually is off pretty early in the movie. Then there's that dorky, doofy, uh, kind of like, you know, silly guy, I'd fall into that category. Then there's that good, lovable guy that everybody likes. Uh, there's the scandalous, dressed girl that's always there. Uh, and then there's the, uh, there's the, there's the well-mannered, head-on-straight, right-minded girl that kind of leads the group through that. And, um, and they're all running from something, right? Whether it's Freddy or Jason Voorhees or that Scream Mask character, something that's possessed or a ghost. And as they do that, one or both of a combination of things always happen in all the films. One, they either run into like the worst scenario possible, right? They like run into the graveyard or they run into the dark, scary house or they go down the, the alleyway with no lights on it. Uh, or uh, the group splits up, right? Like the uh, scandalous dressed girl says, hey, you guys all go down that well-lit road that leads to, like, happiness, and I'm going to cut through the cemetery and meet you on the other side, right? And they come up with this plan. They always split up, and it, it always seems to be that they follow the person that goes the worst places, uh, and, and they're faced with that fear. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't put yourself in that situation, right? Don't put yourself, don't go into the scary places, Right? And don't split up from your group, uh, especially when you're out trick-or-treating. Right? No. Um, but, but, but those are good lessons to learn from as well, unhealthy fears to put yourself into. Uh, there's healthy fears too, like uh, not related to Halloween, but uh, kids. Like when you're raising kids, there's healthy fear you want to instill in your children. Right? So don't touch the fireplace or don't put your hand on the burner. Like, uh, you know, stay away from water if you don't know how to swim. Right? Uh, my parents have a pool, and we were always scared of sending our kids over to my parents' house until they could learn to swim. So we were big on uh, teaching them how to swim. And if you have a mica, like I have a mica, he's always flirting with danger. And so when I say, Micah, no, like, I want him to react. Like, I want him to know that I, 
I want the best for him, and I want him to, sorry if I scared you there. Um, I usually am even louder than that. But, uh, uh, but I want him to react and know that he is in uh, danger. Right. Or, or how about the people who, and I, and I apologize ahead of time for that, people who are coping with fear. There's a lot of people who, like, have a fear of flying, right? And, and they get nervous, and they think that the plane's going to crash and all that kind of stuff. And, and out of their nervousness, they just light up cigarettes and start smoking, right? Like, what's the theory behind that? I mean, nothing against people who, who smoke. You guys will just get to heaven a little earlier than some of the rest of us. But, uh, but like, I think that's going to kill you before a plane crash, right, and dealing with that. Uh, or the idea of fire, right? That's, in the, that's a lot in the news today. Fire in itself is an amazing thing. Like, it provides heat and can cook and all this kind of stuff. But it also provides huge destruction, as we know. A tally of over 40 people killed in the California fires that are going on right now. And hearing stories of how people are surviving. And so uh, today I want us to, I want us to look at a couple different things. I want us to look at healthy fear. We're in this series entitled Fearless. And we've looked at a lot of different fears and a lot of different opportunities last week being that uh, you know, our fear is directly related to everybody who's around us, right? Or the idea of uh, fear in tough situations. And today I want us to look at, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a healthy fear for us to have and an unhealthy fear for us to have. There's actually, even teamed with that, there's healthy ways to discern and, and walk through fear. And then there's unhealthy ways for us to walk through fear. And I think we're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit, and there's going to be some real practical stuff that I think we can even put into practice as we uh, leave here and go out uh, this week. Um, but what I want to do to start, like I've done every week, is, is define even a little bit more uh, what fear is, uh, what exactly we're looking at, because I think fear is one of the most uh, destructive or barriers or one of the biggest things that keeps us from living the life that Christ has for us, from living even a life that we would want uh, to live. It, fear is huge in, 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 in distracting and creating barriers and hindrances for us uh, in our lives. Keeps us from experiencing that fullness that God has for us. Um, and I, to, to kind of just start off, I want you to be thinking about this. Fear is having faith in the wrong thing. Fear is having faith in the wrong things. And we've danced around this a bit. We haven't really talked directly into this yet. But um, fear is having faith in the wrong things. And I tell you what, I hate that word things. And I've actually already used it a couple times uh, today already. Every time I use that word, it, 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 I cringe because nobody knows what a thing is. A thing can be anything, right? But that's just it. When it comes to our fear, there's so many different things out there that we can uh, fear and that can distract us and that can create worry and anxiety. So I use that uh, uh, intentionally here with this, is that fear is having faith in the wrong things. Anytime we have placed our faith in something other than God and Jesus, including ourselves, it is misplaced and can lead directly to our inability to uh, control something or have something or do something that then can create the fear and anxiety and worry in our lives. Anytime we place faith in anything other than God, uh, that 
can happen. And so uh, I think of a story, um, and it comes out of the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew 16 is where it's at. And, and to lead up to this story, uh, Jesus has performed a bunch of miracles. Uh, he's actually fed uh, the thousands through the lunchbox of the little boy, and, uh, and he's feeding them. And then him and the disciples are in the boat, and uh, they strike up a conversation. But actually, just before this, Jesus is having a conversation with the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees. And, um, and they ask him, we want to see some signs and wonders. And Jesus is like, have you not been around? Like, have you not looked at what I've done already? And uh, these Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus in a sense, but they're saying, uh, I, I, we want to see some more signs and wonders. And Jesus, is, it, Jesus basically is teaching them, like I was telling to the kids this morning, is he, he's, he's teaching them that they've placed their faith in something wrong. They've placed their faith in his ability to do signs and wonders uh, in front of them for them to display and see. And so then uh, he's taken his best friends and they've gotten in the boat and uh, they're going across on the water and Jesus says, uh, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then the disciples, just they're just a great group of guys. They're like, well, like what is Jesus talking about? Like, we didn't bring any bread. Like, what, is the, what are they talking about? You know, yeast, you know, and so... They didn't get it, and Jesus kind of corrects them. says, man, I wasn't talking about bread. Didn't you see that I had fed the thousands earlier? Like, it's not about bread. It's actually about what they've placed their faith in and, uh, and, and how they had placed, you have to be careful of these. And at the time, the Pharisees and Sadducees were thought to be the religious leaders of the day. Like, they knew their Bibles, and they had to memorize and all that kind of stuff. And so Jesus is saying, beware of actually, beware of their teaching." in it and uh and and he and he kind of reiterates that it's about where they had placed their faith and then again uh in proverbs 3 it says uh trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding kind of to team up with this in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight and so jesus is saying that your understanding and what you are portraying, what you are displaying or what you are thinking on your own in your life is, is not, uh, is, is, it holds no weight. It isn't strong enough. It isn't, uh, you can't understand it and it'll distract you. And I feel at the root of all this, it can get to fear real quick. I think for us uh, uh, in general, I think we're quick to consider how uh, our own understanding of certain situations, our own understanding of what's going on in our lives. And I think even if we're honest with ourselves, we're quick to go what I like to call worst case scenarios, right? And have the mind of whatever's gonna happen, the worst case is possible, right? Kind of like the Huskies and the Cougars in the football games this weekend. Um, but uh, worst case scenario is what we think. And I like to think of it like what ifs. Like, well, what if this happens? Or what if, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? And it begins to control our thoughts and our ideas and what we're doing and, and how we're acting and, and the choices we're making in our lives because we've jumped quickly to the what ifs or the, the worst case scenario of a situation. And I think of a story, another story in the Bible. Uh, it's in Exodus 4 and, and, and Moses is there. And we all know Moses, right? Probably one of the greatest leaders of the day. Uh, and 
uh, and, and Jesus had definitely called him, and he was calling him, and, 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 and it was up on a, a Mount Horab or something like that. They were they had gathered, and uh, Moses becomes comes before the burning bush. Uh, and, and this is a bush that's sitting there, and it's on fire, and it's the bush itself isn't burning up, right? And so uh, through the bush, uh, God talks to Moses. And so uh, telling of his calling and what he has for him. And, and, and Moses, immediately in that, and in the presence of God, clearly in the presence of God, Moses jumps to this worst-case scenario. Because if you know Moses' story, the story is that uh, Moses had uh, killed a guy. Uh, you know, he had done other things in his life. And uh, he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't feel like he was the, the most equipped leader. And all this stuff was going on. And, uh, and so Moses, uh, immediately into the burning bush, says, well, what if they don't believe me? Or what if, what, if they don't, what if they don't listen to what I'm going to say? Or what if I'm not the most eloquent speaker? Or what, what if, what if, what if? And if Moses would have really banked on those things that he was thinking in his life, you know, who knows uh, what, where he would have went. But in that moment, uh, God had chosen him and, and displayed to him his presence. And we all know what Moses went on to do and still had his own uh, follies along the way as well. But it got me thinking about our lives and how in our lives it's unhealthy to live that way. To live in the worst case scenarios or the, the what ifs uh, in our lives. And, uh, and, and when we do that, it constricts where we can go and what God wants to do uh, with our lives. And if you're like me, it's oftentimes I can I can get there pretty quick and want to consider worst case scenario and, and even keep me from pressing forward in uh, different situations or scenarios that I'm facing in my life. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, uh, what I've kind of come to know is that our fears and getting to that point are, uh, they're very real, as you've heard me say. Uh, they're very present in our lives. And so, uh, but I think that if, we're, if we look at those fears and the things that we're, uh, that we're most concerned about in our lives, I'm going to say it this way. What you fear the most is what you value the most. Okay, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm ripping these next two comments off from a pastor friend of mine that that uh, I think he tweeted it out or something, and I was like, oh, geez, doing fear. But what you fear the most is what you value the most. So if you fear for your family, uh, then you value your family the most. Or if you fear uh, compensation or financial or, uh, you know, your paycheck or the money that you have, you value that the most. One that I am honest with that I struggle with is the idea of uh, what people think about me. A real fear that I, that I struggle through. And that means I value what everybody thinks of me. All right, so what you fear the most is what you value the most. And, and this next one is a real heart check for us, all right? What you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. 
that should have caused some oohs and ahs, and, right? So what you fear the most, what you value the most, but what you, what you also fear the most reveals where you possibly trust God the least because it continues to be your worry and your focus and, and, and what, 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 what keeps you, what is the barrier for you, what, uh, the what ifs, the worst case scenarios, those are the things that you focus on rather than what God is going to do for you. You may think like I do oftentimes, well, I'm trusting God, I'm trusting God, and then I'm just continuing praying and crying out and like wanting him to show up and all this kind of stuff, but I'm not actually trusting him in the situation. I'm not actually putting my faith in his ability to do something about it. I may be talking to him about it, but I'm holding tight to it myself. See, if we steer away from the silly fears of like, well, they're not silly, they're real, like spiders and, and maybe you fear clowns with the new movies coming out, all that kind of stuff. But if, if we steer away from those things, I think a lot of our fears... Uh, kind of rest in two different areas in our life. I think they rest uh, in our temptations and in our trials, okay? Uh, uh, and I say temptations, this is, these are situations, and I tell you what, temptations, they're not from God, okay? Temptations in our life, God doesn't dangle the carrot out in front of us to see what we would do with it, right? He doesn't tempt us to do evil or tempt us to do things we shouldn't do. Right? Temptations are from the devil or placed on by ourselves. I don't want to blame him because oftentimes we need to take the blame for some of this as well. Um, and, and what I'm tempted with maybe isn't what you're tempted with. So they're not universal. Uh, a lot of them can be, but they're not all universal for everybody. Um, a temptation is where you feel you're pulled to do something wrong in a certain situation. Uh, you feel the pulling to do something that you know you shouldn't do. Uh, Romans 7 says that that is in all of us. The sin nature, uh, the idea of, of, of that being attractive. Um, and in the Bible, it's actually very clear what we're supposed to do with temptations. Right? It says in a, in a, in a section of the Bible, it says actually if your eye causes you to sin, you should what with it? Gouge it out. Right? If your hand causes you to sin, what do you do? You cut it off, like, right? And then also in different areas, uh, and, and I tell you what, I work with some of the young adults. Uh, we had an intern that was living with us, and, 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 and I work with them, and I, and I often tell them that, that they're, they're at that age where they're dating and, 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 and uh, you know, pursuing uh, a relationship and all that kind of stuff, and I often tell them nothing good happens after 11 o'clock. Shut it down go home, right? That's a temptation. Even if they're praying and studying their Bible, you know, like, like don't put yourself in that situation in your life. That's a tempting situation. And Jesus over and over repeats, especially with it when it comes to sexual immorality. Like he says, flee from that over and over and over in the Bible, as well as in other areas. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, peace, along with those who call the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee from evil. Flee from the temptation. And then in 1 Timothy 6-11, this is actually talking about finances 
in money, which is another temptation in our lives to live grounded and in, in, in focused on that. First uh, Timothy 6, 11 through says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you were made, uh, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, God knew that as human, as man, as woman, we would not be able to stand up to temptation. Like you maybe, maybe would luck out with a different, different, uh, uh, a different uh, plan other than flee from it. You maybe luck out a few times, but that's why Jesus in the Bible teaches us over and over to flee from it. Just run from it, right? And then the second one, I think, is our trials in our lives, the trials that we face. Uh, and this actually, trials can actually come from God and can come from the devil, from the evil one, right, for us to endure. But our trials in our life, and this, this may be uh, battles with depression, uh, battles with um, a hardship you faced or discouragement, maybe even illness can fall into this category of a trial in our lives. Uh, a few weeks ago, Sarah talked about putting on the full armor of God. That is uh, used in our trials in our lives, like putting on that armor and facing our trials and what we, have face, what we face in our lives. And, and over and over in the Bible, uh, it talks about standing up to trials in our lives, to stand firm in the trials in our lives and to oppose those situations. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, uh, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? 1 Peter 5, 8. Want to break from the ads? If you tap now to watch... 1 Peter 5, 8. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it talks about... Uh, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Oftentimes we talk about the Bible being a uh, life manual, right? Uh, you know, if you want to know anything about what you're facing in your life, it's in here. Right? We can read about it and we're going to like building a house on the cornerstone, right? We can like open it up and figure out how to build our house. Not so much. But the Bible is full of a, 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 and can be referenced as a life manual. But let me tell you something everything you face is not in here. Right? It's not like a guide we can open up to like exactly what I'm. Okay, that's exactly what it says about the situation that I'm facing in my life. A lot of it's in here. A lot of it is. We need to know what's in here. But oftentimes, it's not going to speak directly into our situation in the trial that we're facing in our lives. But what will is the principles. Knowing the principles of the Bible. Knowing what God is actually saying overall, right? There's really two things that, that can speak to us in those trials. It's... it's, uh, it's and, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I might be jumping ahead, but uh, God, uh, the Bible, what, what was written in the Spirit, right? Those two things can speak into our lives, and we need to know those 
two things uh, in, 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 in the concepts won't contradict themselves. The Bible won't contradict itself. And so knowing the principles that are in here will often help us with the trials that we face with. Maybe there's not like an exact guide step one through five to follow to face one of the trials that we're facing in our lives. So we, in our lives, we flee from temptation and we stand up to the trials in our lives. And this got me thinking because I, I think I do the opposite of that. I, I, like I think oftentimes with the temptation, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be stronger next time. Like, next time I'm put in that situation, I'm just going to be stronger, and I'm going to be able to do it, right? And then when it comes to the trials in my lives, what do I normally do? I normally uh, shy away from them. Like, I normally try to, like, you know, hide them or not, not deal with them or push them aside and, and kind of just let them be. Like, I, it's like, they're not there, you know? Like, I don't see them. Uh, they're not there. And, and, I, and the Bible's really clear. Like, Flee from temptation and stand up to the trials. Opposite, I think, of what's natural for me, maybe for you. Maybe you can relate to that. And I think that when it comes to those two things and the fear that we have in those situations, what if, what if overcoming our fear makes all other achievements possible? Like, if, if fear is what keeps us from what God wants for us, then overcoming that fear is actually what's going to deliver us to all the other achievements in our lives and what God wants for us over here. What if overcoming fear is, the, what if I took that on as a mindset? What if overcoming my fear was the achievement that makes all other achievements in my life possible? if we can just break through that fear. And this is where we're going to get a little practical. I think there's three ways for us to kind of discern through fear in our lives. There's three kind of steps that if we, we walk it through these steps, I think we can get a good grasp on it. Right? The first step is, what does God say? What does God say? say about the situation you're in, about the fear that you're facing, right? This is the idea of opening your Bible and actually like, okay, you know, and it, you can start with Google. I don't necessarily, like, what does the Bible say about, boom, might give you some verses, okay? But what does the Bible say directly about, or what does God say directly about the fear in, in the scenario, and the situation that you're facing in your life? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is the idea, it's a life manual. It is. It's not, every, everything is not in there. Very clear on a lot of things. And the principles overarch everything, really, on who God is. If we follow those principles, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, I read it earlier, but the end verse is what we, we really want to focus in on this part. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. 
So don't define it yourself. Okay? Go to what God says about it. And the second practical step we can do is, is ask ourselves, what is true? What is true in this situation? Right? What is really going on? Like if we step back and, 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 and look at the situation that we have going on, look at the things that we fear the most, that we maybe value the most, what is actually happening in that situation? Know the facts, maybe, is a way to put it. Take time to, to acquire the knowledge of what's going on in your situation. Proverbs 19, uh, 2 through 3, a lot of Proverbs today. Uh, Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty, hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. I think so often we respond without the knowledge piece. Like maybe it's an immediate response or uh, an immediate, you know, um, definition of what's going on in our lives. And we don't take time to gain the knowledge in it. Proverbs 22, 3. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. If we're prudent to our situation, we would assess it and actually maybe flee from it or stand up to it. But if we're simple through it, we just keep going, you know, and, and, and don't pay attention to what's going on, and we pay the penalty uh, for that. In 13, 16, all who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly, taking the time to know the situation and, and know the facts of what's going on. And the last one is this, number three. Uh, what does, and you can write it any way you want, but what does my crew say? You can write wise counsel. It sounded a little too churchy for me. Um, but what does my crew say about it? Like, what does my wise counsel say about what I'm facing? And I heard it taught this week. And, and we, if we look back at that, at Ma- that Matthew 16 verse, uh, that verse is uh, where it says, he's like, don't always trust the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Like, and, and I would say it for me too. Like, don't trust everything I say from the front. I want you to, but I want you to take it back and I want you to find out what God says. And then I want you to, to like know the facts of the situation of how it spoke to you. And then maybe take it to your small group or take it to a group of people, right? And we'll understand it even more in our lives. But like in that situation or like Jesus uh, you know, the, the story where uh, the, the five or six friends carry their buddy right to Jesus' feet because he couldn't get there. What does your crew, who were, uh, what does your crew say? Who are the people in your life that if you couldn't get to God and you, you had fallen from Jesus based on fear or whatever you have that had created that barrier, who is it in your life that's going to pick you up and carry you and bring you to the feet of Jesus? Do you have those people in your life? Like you need to have them in your life. Who's your crew? Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I'd add with many advisors, but not too many, they succeed. Uh, I'd add that in, but, um, and this isn't just like your 
your, your best friends because, you know, maybe your best friend has been married four times or five times and you're like, man, I'm really struggling in my marriage. And he's like, well, man, I've been married five times. I know a lot about marriage, you know? And like, he's going to tell you all about it, right? Because he's got a lot of experience in it. Or I'm really struggling with this. And you go to the guy that, you know, doesn't know Jesus and has struggled and continues to struggle with what you're struggling with, right? Like, you don't always get the, the best counsel from your best friends. But who in your life are falling after Jesus, maybe with you, that would pick you up when you've fallen away and bring you to the feet of Jesus and be like, man, what, is, what does Jesus say about this? Or what does the Bible say about what you're facing in your life? I think if we can walk through those three things. And what does God say? Uh, what's true about the situation? And, and, and what does my wise counsel say? I think we could walk through together a lot of the fear that we face and a lot of the things that maybe you're sitting with today that you're like, man, what if? Like, I mean, I think, what if this happened? Like when I left here today or next week, I lose my job or like, what if, what if, what if? Church, I thought of this. I think fear spreads faster than any virus on earth. And I think more so now than maybe ever in my lifetime, there's a whole lot of fear out there. There's a whole lot of things going on that you're just like, what if? Like, ah, what am I facing? And I think that involves action through all of our process. Not in 25, 35 minutes um, that we do on a Sunday morning in, 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 because that's like a doctor's office, right? Like you go, you sit in the waiting room for a little while and uh, you get your, then you get your 20 minute visit and then you get your meds and then you leave, right? And you like, uh, my doctor doesn't call me back, but like, like that's not church. Like coming here, waiting for service to start, singing some songs, uh, you know, meeting for a little while and then leaving and then just coming back when you need it again in a week, like that's like a doctor's office. And it's not, it's not how we're called to do this and it's not how we can navigate through this fear. And this is what I've witnessed. I've observed, um, and I don't wanna give credit to the fear because here's what I know. God is in the business of changing lives. And I think oftentimes we just haven't considered God. Like we haven't considered his full power and presence and what he can do. And because of that, we, we don't change. Or we rest in what has been all along or what has been as of recently. And now that keeps us from what God wants for us, unlocking that full potential for us. We place our fear in something else, right? We place our fear in something that isn't God, and, and, or we place our fear in something that we hold so tightly to because we love it so much that we're not willing to give it up. See, that's the joy of being a part of such a small community. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I have plans 
to blow the doors off this barn and reach, you know, even a small percentage of the 7,400 people that live in Sun Valley and the surrounding communities of Alder and Glenhaven and all that kind of stuff. But we're in a sweet spot right here where we have the opportunity to maybe even know most everybody in this room. And when we can do that, we can navigate through the things that we're facing in our lives a whole lot easier. And that's how we do small groups. That's, how we, that's, that's why you hear me say, oh man, I want you to get a second connection. I want you to know somebody other than me. I want you to know the people that are around you. And I want you to get involved in their lives. It doesn't have to be a formal like every Tuesday night we're going to sit down and open up our Bibles and we're going to read and pray together. And quite frankly, that can kind of get boring sometimes. Don't tweet that out that I said that. But I don't tweet or tweet or whatever it is. But... But really it can. Like that can get boring. But if we do life together and we actually navigate through the things that we're facing, we can, do, we can get through so much more. And we can experience that joy in the achievement and the life that God wants us to live. If we just like carry each other to the feet of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.